In today's episode of Scoreboard, we preview Conor McGregor's upcoming fight and Holloway's dominance over Calvin Cater. And then in the NBA, we discuss James Harden trade to the Nets, a conspiracy theory on how the big three of the Nets may have tricked the NBA to make this trade happen. We also discuss if Shaq is a bully and with rise in COVID cases, should the NBA go back to the bubble? We also have a recurring segment and a lot of things to talk about. So let's go. Welcome to Scoreboard and welcome to yet another Conor McGregor fight week. Are you ready, Jane? Yes, I am. I'm excited. Yeah, it is exactly a year when he fought Donald Cerrone last year, I think in January. And I think Conor McGregor just brings that different kind of energy that, you know, other UFC fighters don't, you know, don't don't get the same way. Yeah, I agree. He demands your presence when he's on the screen. Like, you, you want to watch because you turn yeah. your head for a split second. You're missing something. So, yeah. yes. I I totally agree. He looks... This is the second fight. Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier. They fought seven years ago. Uh, Conor McGregor won that fight with a TKO. Uh, I think things have changed a lot in yeah. such a long time. Both are different fighters now. Since they last um, fought, they both each have two losses under their belt. But uh, I will say Portier was he was on a rom- uh, like a rampage. He like he had like what thirteen fights since yeah. they last fought together, and yeah, McGregor really only active. had eight. I don't yeah. know. I think McGregor is just being smart, picking, choosing which one he's yeah. gonna fight. So yeah. yeah, I think it makes him it makes it easy for him now as well. I mean, when I say easy. Not really that he's scared, but easy as in like there's like Khabib is not there anymore so mm-hmm. far. We don't know that like the the Dana, like the whole Dana White Khabib situation is still unfolding, but yeah, yeah. So I guess he sees that on the top he can still like once again become the champion. So I think you know that makes him excited to come back. My question is, how do you feel that? What do Justin Poirier needs to do? To beat McGregor in that first that fight together, I think that it's going to be a tough fight for Dustin because he is not an amazing wrestler as Khabib is, or you know, yeah, someone mm-hmm. like so. It's basically like two strikers and two boxers fighting each other out, and McGregor is faster. McGregor is more like accurate. He yeah. is so it's going to be a tough fight for well. Dustin. Yeah. I'll I think Dustin this. is more of a heavy hitter, so. Oh, so like when that that lucky punch is basically Yeah, it's right. I, I would say for McGregor, he needs to stay on his feet because if he stays on his feet, he's going to win. But if it happens to go on the ground, he still have advantage because Portier right. is not that great compared mm-hmm. to his last fight he did. Right. I mean, not why he was there, but still. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would say... Yeah. I would say I favor McGregor winning that fight. I don't think. Yeah. Oh yes. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Conor McGregor has been like teasing a sixty-second knockout as well. So we'll see what that <laughs> if that comes to if that's the reality or not. But that would not- be something. But yeah. Speaking Holy of shit, knockouts. man! Yeah, we can have no- if it if we fight something like Holloway did 
last Saturday. Man, then- <laughs> let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. From round one, he was already favored. He kept yeah. on. He did not. He did not back down. Constant one-two punches. And yeah. I'm just like, are you gonna cover yourself? <laughs> but he was just going in. He was on a mission. He said, "You gonna respect yeah. this name," and he yeah. did. He demanded yeah. respect. I mean, in the in the, I'm just, I just commend Calvin Cater to not like not get knocked out or you know like the fight didn't stop. Like he went all five rounds, but that was brutal to watch. Yeah, big ups to him because his legs was noodles. He would just yeah. he was held up by a thread. <laughs> yeah. The the one thing I, I commend him, like, he was it was one point his back was against the wall. He's like, you know what? I'm not about to go yeah. down like this. He was just swinging. But yeah. I was just saying, like, oh dude, it's just so bad. I was like, just drop, drop, just drop it. Yeah. And I, I remember it was one point I was like, I'm surprised the referees didn't stop it. He yeah. did not stop the fight. Cause it was one point it seemed like he wasn't really defending himself that well. Yeah, I think uh, Cater, I guess uh, before before the fight, he trash-talked Holloway and said that I am the better boxer than you are. So oh, that, no. like, Holloway was adamant at, like, just boxing with him and, you know, like, being the better boxer. Like, the way he, in the fifth round, like, he's talking to DC <laughs> on the commentary and, like, he was saying, that was amazing. The no-look jab, then he's bobbing and weaving. He missed, like... <laughs> I was just like, how embarrassed. You talking trash. You have a football conversation with the commentaries on the side. And you still like defending yourself at the same time. I was just like, this dude is toying with him. Just toying with him. It was was a good fight though. Yep. Good good fight. One-sided fight. Action-packed fight. But one-sided, it was a little hard to watch for me. I, I still think Holloway is the best featherweight in the division i i think mm-hmm. he won the last fight as well against alexander volkanovsky oh i agree even though it yeah it was it went to a, i think a split decision i i totally do not uh agree with that decision i think holloway is still the best fighter in the division and i can it's hard to not give him another title shot like i understand ufc's point of view that they they have given the audience a holloway versus volkanovsky fight twice mm-hmm. but you have to give him another title shot like how can you deny this guy for the next title fight like you said he was in my opinion he was definitely robbed his last fight but that's what they said don't wait don't let it go to the decision of the referee to the judges knock him out yep so but this one from the get-go it was all max holloway all him yeah yeah i think he is standing in for the conor mcgregor dustin poria fight as well just in case if they miss weight <laughs> or something. But I don't think that's going to happen. Connor's yeah. in a different, uh, you know, point of... His, his peace of mind is there. And yeah, he's mm-hmm. focused. Dustin is prepared. Um, yeah, but with the Holloway fight, I mean, I one other, another thing that I think that like Herb Dean has been missing some stoppages for the last couple <laughs> of fights. He was just he was enjoying the show yeah. like everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> I would too. It's just like, okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, I got to do my job. Yeah, but yeah, I, I I noticed in like last year in some fights like he was either too late to to st- stop the fight, or he was like either like too early to mm-hmm. stop one fight, like the Amanda Nunes fight, like oh yeah, he was too yeah. late. So <laughs> that's true. But yeah, it's it's a hard job. It's a really hard job. So 
it it's always fun. UFC will be fun this weekend. Uh, I'm excited to watch. Conor I'm Gregor looking forward returns, to next so. weekend. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Let's see. Yeah, a lot of things happened in the NBA over the weekend as well. Uh, over the last week, let's talk about with it. With James Harden joining the Nets. Oh my god! What that do you drama. think of the whole thing? <laughs> I will say this: um, James Harden did give a lot to the city, but at the same time, I like the Houston Rockets gave a lot to you. They gave you major players, and you still wasn't able to capitalize on that. You got oh, yeah. Dwight Howard. Okay, yeah, but he's a good defensive player. You had CP and prime I mean, Dwight had, Howard. Yeah, prime prime Howard. And he was and when he got when he got went to Houston, he was fully healed because you know he was with the Lakers with the back injury. Right. Yep. So you had him in his prime. You had Chris Paul. You had your homeboy from L.A. Dwight. I mean, um, Russell Westbrook. Yep. Nothing. And you had like good shooters around you, and you still couldn't capitalize. Then all of a sudden, you got to look yourself in the mirror too. When it came to the playoffs, you didn't show up. Yeah. So yeah, James Harden has has been kind of not himself in mm-hmm. the playoffs, to put it lightly. <laughs> <laughs> but but you, you know, know what? That yeah. Oh, I'm just gonna continue. Go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say that the thing that makes this whole trade interesting to me because I've been reading up on these like conspiracy theories on internet oh surrounding gosh. the whole trades. And I I have this, like I, I read this one theory that I would want to tell you about this whole trade situation. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, so I, I read this on RNBA subreddit okay. and, and credit to the Reddit user, you senior Theodore. Uh, <laughs> and he was the one who came up with it. He or she, we don't know that, but so here's here's the theory, okay? Let let me okay. let me tell you, it's it's really crazy, but I I I, I kind of get it. So let's okay. see what you think, okay? So most of us are familiar with the fact that KD and Kyrie are like long term best friends, right? And Harden and KD and also has also been friends and you know okay. former teammates mm-hmm. with the OKC and all that, right? And Nets have already shown interest in having three superstars before, and at yeah. the same time, like Harden wanted to leave the Rockets, right? But that was unlikely because. You have to include Kyrie in a James Harden trade. Like if it's a different team, like you have to do a superstar to superstar trade, right? I agree. It, that's what makes sense for both teams. And Kyrie was, Kyrie was playing well until like he stopped showing up for work. Like he was playing like an MVP candidate, right? So mm-hmm. obviously the whole scheme was basically done to make sure like the Nets get Harden, but at the same time they don't have to give up Kyrie Irving in exchange to form their big three. Okay, I'm listening. So yeah, so this is the this is their plan. So Kyrie starts the season on fire, like an MVP candidate. He plays amazing, right? Until the January fifth, which was the last game that he played, right? On January sixth, a day before Kyrie leaves, Harden starts playing like shit. His yeah. free throws attempt, which are like considered to be a good indication of his offensive effort, they shrunk. He got to the line 14 times in the last four games compared to the 46 free-throw attempts in the first four games. His points per game also shrunk to absolutely mediocre levels. Like, it, I think it was bef- below 20 points per game in the mm-hmm. last four games. Yeah. Right? In short, like, Harden stopped trying, basically, and it was obvious. Like, we knew that, you know. And then on January 7th, Kyrie misses the first game, right? The whole media attention shifts to Kyrie. Right, he's seen as the liability now, like the drama queen, and you know his whole value goes down. 
Now, the Lakers at the same time sweep the Rockets in two games. Mm-hmm. And Harden gives that interview that we just talked about that he has done everything for the city and nothing can be changed about the situation and all that stuff. That basically puts more pressure on the Rockets organization to trade him like ASAP, mm-hmm. right? Because like he has made this whole situation public. So now the Rockets are left with three options. The, the best option that they thought they had first, the Rockets was, which is not existing anymore, was that trade Harden to the Nets and demand Kyrie in some sort of package. Right, the most logical thing. This is now obviously not ideal because Kyrie is like a drama queen now, and you know, like it's a liability to get Kyrie Irving because you never know if he's going to show up or not. The second thing that the the second package that the Rockets can get was with Philly. Okay, like we all know that Philly wanted to was was in the picture of like like getting Harden to Philly, and they the Rockets were interested in getting Ben Simmons in return. The problem now is that Rockets owner did not want to trade with Philly because Philly's GM is Daryl Morey now. Yeah. So He's then it would Rockets. basically be like Daryl Morey uniting with uh, Harden again, but mm-hmm. not in the Rockets. So it's basically the whole Rockets organization not playing for the Rockets and playing for somewhere else. <laughs> so this, you know, they didn't want to. I think the so the theory says that the Rockets owner did not want to do that. So the the Nets were basically left with the last option, which was whatever they can get for Harden from Nets without Kyrie because they're not interested in Kyrie anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's what they did. While this trade is going on, Kyrie keeps up with his social media antics, shifts that media attention to himself so that no one really projects on like what Harden was gone for. Like Harden basically, they they basically got like the bench players and some picks for Harden. And that's how they executed the whole trade. That's that's, that's the theory, and I and I think that this though. is this can be true. I won't say all that. That's a stretch, but it is interesting. <laughs> but the reason I say it's stretch, Kyrie had done this before, like the whole antic, but not missing games before. I'm talking about, but him being a drama queen, we know that's him. But right, I don't know. It's... No, but that's that's the thing, right? Like people won't question it because they already know that oh yeah Kyrie it's normal for Kyrie to do that so he's not doing anything out of the ordinary if so that's, that's what it is ocean 12 this then bravo <laughs> honestly I don't know what to say bravo but wow it's like a movie yeah I should pitch that to somebody yeah that was pretty good <laughs> yeah and then right on time he wants to join like as soon as the Harden like comes yeah. into the team like Kyrie's like I'm I'm available now. It's he's following the protocol so he'll be back on the lineup maybe Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Wow. So that's good. <laughs> on a wow. more serious note though, what do you think of the team? Nets and like Honestly, they look great. Though it was the magic, but still they look awesome my problem is like when they play teams like elite teams when it comes to like right. when I actually play a healthy philly a healthy uh the lakers and the clippers i think that's when you're gonna really start like dissecting the team probably see their little struggles but right now they look good on paper their offense is amazing defense is a little bit of a struggle i'm not gonna lie uh but right it's it's really good you can't you can't really knock it but my thing is when Kyrie joins the team, how mm. is it gonna really like? Yeah. How's the team gonna really mesh? That's what that's yeah. the 
that's what everybody's waiting for. But right now, they really look good. You can't really say anything negative. They, Kyrie, they, I mean, um, Durant is sharing the ball. With, mm-hmm. uh, James Harden sharing the ball. He had a triple yeah. double last night, but and he was playing defense. So I think it's the honeymoon phase right now. <laughs> yeah, he he lost that. Uh, when you break up with your ex, he lost that right. weight. He he was just, yeah. he was just sitting there looking healthy. I know Houston back like there a... pissed. Like, dang. I want to know, you know that diet regimen that James Harden did. I don't know, but. It's just it's just ironic. Last week he looked like Rick Ross, and this week he looking like a health, his old self. Right. So I don't know. Yeah. Bravo to you, James. If you get able to bamboozle this, bravo to you. I gotta say this. What, yeah. What? Who do you think? Like, how do you think they would start and all? Like the team, team, their team structure. Who would be the top five? Uh, the starting five. Um, With all three of the big three. I'll say Kyrie type. back. Uh, then James Harden. S two, Durant three, mm-hmm. Green four, and um, Andre Jordan, Jordan. five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree with it. Except that I would actually put like this makes sense. That's their natural positions. But I mm-hmm. I would if I was uh Steve Nash, I would put Harden at point guard and Steve Nash Kyrie at two. Huh? That's yeah. Coach? Which we oh, don't I know. Yeah, we... <laughs> he quiet. So I'm just yeah. assuming. Okay. Yeah, oh, yeah. Go ahead. He, they don't need a coach, according to Kyrie Irving. So yeah, he gets pawns in their games. Right. <laughs> yeah. So at least, at least, uh, Shaq doesn't make fun of uh, DeAndre Jordan. I guess he doesn't feel threatened by him because he already knows DeAndre Jordan don't make all that money. My thing is like, yeah. <laughs> Shaq be coming off like a hater. Like, let them get make their money. Yeah, during your time, you wasn't able to make these outrageous amount of money with your contract but like now you nitpicking everybody else like you messing with they bag like what's your problem let them be them this is a new age of basketball centers are not really that viable so you're not gonna see them averaging 20 and 10 rebounds a game it's not gonna happen so right. i was just like get off gobert's back let, he's doing good the thing is, on Gobert, on paper, it looks like he's not doing nothing, but his defensive presence is—he has a very big impact with right. the Jazz uh, team. So, I don't know. I thought Shaq sounds like a little baby. Like, relax. You're a bully. <laughs> it's hard to, yeah, it's hard to judge defensive attributes and contribution by just stats. Yeah, there's so many things that happen, which is an eye test that you cannot judge by this. Just like stats. That's true. Like on the Lakers. Uh, Caruso, he probably right. he probably like have three points, but his defensive presence in the game is a yeah. big wow. His um his, his turnover ratios and all that other stuff is it's like it don't show up on paper, but his presence matters. Like when he was out of the lineup, the Lakers' defensive presence was like low key struggling a little bit. Now he's back yeah. in the lineup, you can see how strong they are. Right. Yeah, I I agree. Mm-hmm. I think with Shaq, I I guess he feels. He doesn't want anyone else to be considered in his in his league, you know, like he tries to portray everyone else. Like Jokic, I think like in my in my personal opinion, like mm-hmm. I my favorite center right now is Jokic for me. Mm-hmm. He does like, everything. Great point center. Yeah, does everything, you know, play make, he can shoot. He can, he's like a little weaker on the defense as a, as a center, like he's not as great of a rim protector, but he's still okay. Mm-hmm. Right? 
but offensively and like playmaking wise he's he's amazing i think that like shack maybe he doesn't understand like he he kind of thinks center as like those old school centers who are just like physically very like Big. aggressive mm-hmm. and you know like enforcer sort of thing i think the game has changed a lot uh, yeah or maybe lot. he's just trying to be a baby as you said it can i be don't know because we saw this <laughs> antic where he did it with the uh, with mcgee okay fair enough mcgee was a little bit of a struggle but yeah <laughs> <laughs> mcgee has mcgee has he had blossomed to like a decent player I'm not saying like everybody's not gonna be a Hall of Famer like Shaq, but they're making they're making themselves present on a team. They're valuable to their team team. So I don't understand yeah. this whole notion that you have to make these Twitter posts and you doing these petty likes and you making sly comments on your show. It's just like, come on now. Now you messing with their contract. This is how they feed yeah. their family. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mm-hmm. think everyone's different, everyone's style is different. So, you know, it's it's you should never like kind of you know. You should motivate your peers and yeah. your young young ones. My thing is, I'm not saying Shaq cannot critique any players. You can critique them, but when you start making it super personal, it's just like, come on now, like, is it really yeah. necessary? You yeah. was like, if I was in a game, I'll average thirty points, ten rebounds, and miss yeah. ten free throws. <laughs> I'll just like, okay, we know you can't shoot, but if yeah. you put Shaq in today's game, he's gonna be slow. Yeah, he's, he's gonna. gonna be a, he might not vibe. be the same great Shaq that we at know. all. So, like, respect the times. We respect your yeah. time. Let them. Let them do them. Yeah, yeah. that I I agree. Mm-hmm. Just real quick, I also wanted to uh, talk to you about like, what do you think of all the like rise in COVID cases? Do you think the NBA should go back into a bubble, or do you think they should take a break, or you know? I think it comes down to. The players being responsible for what they're doing off court. Um, but if it gets a little bit outrageous, maybe they should shut it down so the numbers could drop and then maybe uh, open up again because the NBA is going to lose a lot of money. And I know some players are saying, like, oh, why we have to follow these protocols and this, this, and that, and a third? If it's not a big deal, shut yeah. it down. <laughs> I was like, you being really selfish because behind the scenes, who's running everything? Yeah. Come on now. Be like, humble, humble yourself. Yeah. I think it's just, just be responsible. Um, we all at home too. So we got to yeah. do our part, do your part and just, you know, because without us, it ain't you. Yeah, that's, that is true. And I mean, yeah. they can, they can, I don't know what's, why can't they just go to the game, go back home and not party for like six months? Like how hard is that? Well, <laughs> I think it's hard for everybody. You can tell by these COVID cases, but yeah, for I think for professional athletes, you guys... You make so much money and you're able to still work and play and still travel compared to everybody else who's still at home. So right. I'll just like, I say, be grateful. That's all I got to say. Be, be grateful. I appreciate yeah. you guys because you're keeping us entertained while we at home. But yeah, yeah. Like I, I, said, I, I agree that without agree us, with ain't that. you. Yeah. And mm-hmm. like also like they these players have millions of dollars. Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff, as you said, behind the scenes who let the thing going on, right? Like, all the the, the stadium members and all. Like, if they don't work, yeah. they won't have money to feed their families and all. So, mm-hmm. it's a lot of things that goes in the background. So, yes, I I completely agree. Be humble, you know, yeah. is the best way to look at it. I love basketball. Like, I want you out to play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so before we move on to the next segment... 
I would like to tell you, Jane, and everyone, about two of the new podcasts I found. The first one, Creepy Unsolved. If you're a fan of creepy stories, unsolved mysteries, and unexplainable events, then Creepy Unsolved is the podcast for you, covering everything from Bigfoot to unsolved disappearances. Creepy Unsolved is available on Spotify and other platforms wherever you listen to podcasts and also has a YouTube channel of the same name. The second podcast that I think you and our listeners would like is Impolite Society, a podcast hosted by Rachel and Laura, where they answer questions that just won't fly in polite society. You know what? I'm going to let them explain what Impolite Society is all about. Hey, Laura, can I ask you kind of a rude question? That's why we're here. This is Impolite Society, the podcast where we tackle the questions you're too afraid to ask. That's right. We take turns asking each other questions that would make your grandmother blush. And then try to uncover the answers through our experiences, shoddy research, and some five-star armchair philosophizing. So if you've ever wanted to know how much your friends make, why anybody would want to fuck a dead body, or why you just can't poop on vacation, tune in every other Monday wherever you get your podcast. We don't always have the answers, but we always have fun. So buckle in and get ready to dig into the topics you can't discuss in polite society. All right, moving on to shot clock. All right, um, we're going to share our topics and our arguments. Two minutes each. You ready to go? Yes, I'm looking forward to it. All right, so our topic today is who is the biggest bust in sports history? Ooh, this is spicy. Really spicy. You want to go first? (laughs) Yes, yes. I think it's going to be... It will... I'm sorry to you, Jane, because I know this is going to hit hard, really hard, but okay. let's see. All right. The biggest bust in sports history is, and I, it pains me to say this, is the former USC quarterback, Matt Leinart. And I tell you why, and I'll okay. tell you why. I'll, I'll give you the whole, like, a little picture and all. So Matt Leinart played US, uh, college football f- at University of Southern California, or near and dear USC, under Pete Carroll, right, from 2001 to 2005. He was the starting quarterback for the Trojans in 2003, 2004, and 2005 seasons. Uh, in, you know, he was also the Heisman winner in, one, in what many had considered one of the most competitive Heisman races as a junior in 2004, mm-hmm. right? Leonard became the sixth USC player to claim the trophy. Along with, uh, along with the Heisman Trophy, he was two times Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year, two times First Team All-American, two times QB of the Year, Manning Award winner, and finalist for Heisman Trophy in his senior year as well. Mm. He was part of the, obviously he was part of that national championship team in 04 along with Reggie Bush, which we know, of course, was vacated by USC because of the whole Reggie Bush saga, but... <laughs> It was still a national championship then. Leinart vision. Okay, this is this is where it gets interesting, right? So Leinart finished his college career with eight hundred and seven completions on twelve forty five attempts. That is sixty four point eight completion uh, percent completion. That is amazing for ten thousand six hundred and ninety three yards and ninety nine touchdowns with only twenty three interceptions. Just think about oh, wow. that. Yeah, he is USC's all time leader in career touchdowns. Passes, com- passes and completion percentage and is second at USC behind Carlson Palmer in com- completions and yardage. 
He also averaged nearly 8.6 yards per attempt and averaged only one interception every 54 attempts. And his all-time record as a starter was 37-2. 37 wins and 2 losses. Mm. Right. Now, let's move to his pro career and why I think he was the bust. He was the first round draft pick with a weak arm, you know, which is okay. He, he yeah, had a weak common. arm, we know that. But he was a top, top prospect when he joined Cardinals, right? He spent four years primarily, you know, as a backup for Kurt Warner, who was their starting quarterback mm-hmm. at the time. So he ended up spending six years in the NFL. Like that's all his career was, six year long. He played 33 games. Now, imagine the contrast in the NFL. <laughs> 18 starts in the whole career. 18, 18 starts. Yeah, his college record was 37-2. He had 18 starts in NFL. He completed 366 passes in 641 attempts. That's 57% completion compared to 64.8% completion in the USC. For and for four hundred four thousand sixty five yards and fifteen touchdowns with twenty one interceptions. Damn, that's a lot. In fifteen touchdowns, I I have some factors which I think why the pro career his pro career did not elevate to the same level as his college career. I think one he had terrible work ethic. He had a terrible terrible work ethic. He partied Isn't that hard like all the every time. USC kid though. Yeah, yeah, he <laughs> He basically moved on yeah. from USC, took the same uh, culture for, at USC, you know, of partying, being a bro. He partied hard, missed all of his training camp when he got drafted and some of the preseason. And when he started, this wasn't like when he started, like, obviously, you, this cannot be a good thing to your coach, right? The coach, like coach Dennis Green did not like that. He had a weak arm than desired. And that's something we knew out of college, which is fine. But mm-hmm. I also think that USC's offense, like, helped him to hide his, you know, his problems at USC a lot. And because, like, he was slow and the lack of velocity as a QB in NFL can be easily exploited. Of course. Yeah. He had a little bit of bad luck with injuries. You know, his wrist injuries had pro- been pro- were always problematic for him. But also, in terms of bad luck, he had three different offensive coordinators in his first three seasons. And after his rookie season, his coach was canned and was replaced by Ken Weisenhunt, who did not show much faith in him and considered him as a situational QB, which basically means that you're never going to play. He did did get one chance in 2009 when Kurt Warner retired to show himself, but he like absolutely failed in the Mm -hmm. preseason and like that blew it for him. Damn. So, Matt Leinert is easily the biggest bust in co- in sports history. Nah, I could top that. I could top that. Now, <laughs> Let's th- hear this it. This one, mine's... <laughs> if you want to hear a kid cry, watch Kwame Brown when he played for the <laughs> Los Angeles Lakers. It pains me to watch this man play. He was the number two draft pick during his class. He was drafted by the Wizards. Jordan, this is your fault. Cause he, it's because of him he was in the league. So, the Lakers uh, got him from a trade. They got him. Right. Watching this man play with his tiny Mickey Mouse hands. He can't catch. <laughs> he can't shoot. He can't defend. He airballs layups. He missed dunks. Just just trash of a player. Oh he ab- It was one game against the Phoenix Suns because during that time, during the early 2000s, there was rivals with the Lakers. 
This right. man almost averaged a double double and turnovers and points. <laughs> I said, what? It was one, that game. He had seven turnovers. Seven turnovers against the Suns. You know how many points that is? That's like twenty free points with this man. Right. Twenty free points. The man can't shoot free throws. <laughs> He got to the foul line so many times. He airballed free throws. That game against the Suns, it was on a Monday night game on TNT. Every <laughs> time he touched the, the nightmares. <laughs> every time he touched the ball, the crowd will boo. I'm at home booing and crying because I say the <laughs> Lakers are not going nowhere with this man as a center. Then during that time, we had Andrew Bynum. He was on the bench because he was dealing with injuries. Kwame mm-hmm. Brown, slow, not in shape, <laughs> just useless of a man. Phil Jackson, you can see him on the bench just shaking his head like, what did we do? But you know what? We had to <laughs> he was the sacrificial lamb to, for us to get Pagasol. But during that time, watching this man play, you would shed tears. People at 24 hour fitness could play better than him. Oh That's wow. Kwame <laughs> Kwame Brown. Please watch watch highlights on YouTube. You will see how this man is just like, I'm like, how was this man a number two pick out of Tennessee to yeah. be drafted in the NBA? This man robbed the NBA of 60 plus million dollars for 12 years. How? Wow. Well, bravo for you to get, you know, bamboozle the NBA with money. But still, you made me cry as a child. <laughs> and that is bullying. Oh, my gosh. Come on, be best. That's all we got to say. Be best. <laughs> That's a great message. <laughs> great it, it, message. Oh, my gosh. I'm getting traumatized just even saying that man's name. All right. We're going to close it out on unpopular opinions. Uh, I'm going to go first on this one because I'm still on this rant. Okay, mine is... So what's, what's, what are we doing? Unpopular, unpopular opinions. opinions. We're going to do our unpopular opinions to close out. Okay. So we're going to say something that's very unpopular. It might be taboo. Okay. Well, non, no, it can be non-sports, right? Yeah, it's non-sports. It can, it can be anything. Yeah. So mine is people who drink milk just to quench their thirst, something's wrong with you guys. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't understand it. I feel like you steal money <laughs> off my counter when I'm turning back because I don't trust you. You drink milk to quench your thirst on a hot mm. day. I feel like you take... <laughs> I don't understand how you decide that I am so thirsty. Let me open the refrigerator and get me a a glass of milk because it will help me quench my thirst. I really feel like something is really wrong with you guys. To quench your thirst, you need H2O. What are you talking about? I love milk. Not a cow. You need water. I love milk. Especially, you know, I mean, cow's breast milk. It's tasty. (laughs) You can have it. That's all I got to say. People who drink milk, I don't trust you. I mean, you are also lactose intolerant, so I can understand the pain that you go through. <laughs> but yeah. it pains me that you got a a white glass of milk to quench your thirst. <laughs> I can't believe it. Milk is amazing. We agree to disagree. I, I boo that unpopular opinion like you booed in 2009 from home. All right, go ahead. What's yours? I think my I don't think I can top that one, but I think it is really unpopular that I don't get why people say I love driving. <laughs> like you're literally controlling a machine. Like what's the fun? It's like me saying I love spinning machines in cotton mill factories in the early 1900s. Like drive you love 
operating a machine like okay driverless cars i get it like if you say you know i i like to sit in a car and go places you like to travel that doesn't mean you like driving a freaking car like driving a, i don't get it like cars pollute your back hurts if you sit there for a long time you if you have a stick shift your arms hurt like you know a lo- and a lot of people are jackasses who don't drive properly on the street that's true so like I don't I don't see the fun like what is the fun in saying I love driving a fucking I think car What's the fun about driving a car is that when you want to leave you can leave cuz my car I could go home <laughs> but you on someone else's time you got to stay nah have your own car you can travel freely. freely No yeah you can have your own car I just don't like I don't I don't get the act of driving like if you have a Tesla self driving Tesla I get it Okay but just imagine on a hot day you bored at home you can just get in your car and just drive. Feel the wind that's going against your skin. Just drive. But I understand yeah. when it's like on a four or five freeway in Los Angeles. Then yeah, I hate driving. But besides <laughs> that, driving is just like to kill time. If you bored, yeah. just take a co- just drive down the coast. Yeah, come on now. I guess safe to say these opinions were really unpopular, at least amongst our, all both of us. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right. Wow, man. Yeah. This is a good show. It's a good yeah. show. Cool. Cool, cool, Jane. That was fun. Um, okay. I will see you in two weeks. All right. Yeah. Take Bye. care. Bye. Thank you. <laughs>